This podcast is sponsored by Rode Microphones, the choice of today's creative generation, and Small HD, real-time confidence for creatives. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming. This is the uh, No Film School Roundtable podcast with New Frontier from uh, Sundance, live from Sundance. Uh, I'd like to start just by going around the table real quick and everyone introduce themselves, the project, and what they did on it. All right. Hi, my name is Jess Engel, and I'm a producer on Breathe, the augmented reality project using Magic Leap technology directed by Diego Galafasi in co-creation with Phi Studios. And I'm a producer based in Los Angeles, um, founder of the production company Crimes of Curiosity. Cool. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hi, um, I'm Cindy Bishop. I'm the technology lead for Chomsky versus Chomsky. Um, and that's directed by Sandra Rodriguez, uh, design lead um, Michael Burke, and produced by NFB and ISO Films. Hi, this is Yeonji Kim from Korea, and our project is Scarecrow. I'm co-producer of that project, and we are on New Frontier. Yeah. Hi, I'm Steve Jelly. I'm um, co-producer on uh, All Kinds of Limbo with the National Theatre, um, directed by Toby Coffey, and I'm also co-producer with Atlas Five of the project Atomu, both of which are on at the New Frontiers Theatre at the Bio Digital Theatre. Nice. I'm uh, Louis Richard Tremblay, uh, executive producer for the National Film Board of Canada, here with uh, Chomsky versus Chomsky. Uh, and just to add, it's uh, an international co production with uh, Schneller Buntebilder, who are from uh, Berlin. Great. Well, again, thank you all for being here. Um, so, we had the opportunity to go to New Frontier and explore a lot of your exhibits and see these things. And one of the things that stands out to me um, is that. Every year it seems like New Frontier and VRAR goes a little farther and starts taking us new places. But I feel like all these projects really do different things with different goals than one another. It seems like that's part of the programming design, but maybe we can talk a little bit about, just to start, where your project originated content-wise. Like, where did the ideas come from? And then we can talk a little bit about the tech going into it. And uh, why don't we just go go around the table? Sure. So this project originated from Diego Galafasi. He is a sustainability scientist based in Stockholm. And um, I met him actually one year ago at the Sundance Talent Forums. And he told me about this project. And really, you know, what he wanted to do was help make the invisible visible using Magic Leap technology. And for him, it was really about... You know, we live in this invisible sea of air, and we it keeps all humans alive, all living sh- species alive, and we just take it for granted. You know, we take 23,000 breaths every single day, but how often do we actually think about that? And so he wanted to create an experience that will really reconnect you with that. And um, so it uses, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the tech, but it does have a biometric link. And part of that is as you breathe, you visualize your breath. And so there's moments in it where you're seeing your own breath, you breathe with other people. um, And then it, and you're also sort of breathing with the rest of the living world. And that's really the intention of the piece is sort of this meditative, contemplative experience to reconnect you to this very basic fundamental human thing that we all do cool yeah it was uh it was really interesting and i think the difference between 
uh, that tech where you're like, if you can explain a little bit about what's different about that than the normal VR yeah. goggles. Yeah. Right? Like just cause I, our listeners may not know Magic Leap, like right. bio, like all that tech terminology. Yes. So how does that differ from like, you know, putting on Oculus or something exactly. like that? Exactly. So with VR, um, you put a headset on and you're transported somewhere else entirely. With Magic Leap, it's an augmented reality headset. So when you put it on, you're still seeing your environment, but then there's like an AR, an augmented layer to it. So, I mean, Pokemon Go is a form of augmented reality right. as well. Um, so, and, and for this piece, we used a sensor that's connected to the headset and the sensor goes around your rib cage. Uh, and so as you breathe, it's actually what you're seeing, the visuals are responding to your breath. And it's so it's really like drawing that one to one connection with your breath and and the visuals. Right. And there's this thing that was like on your chest. That's right? that's the sensor. Right. OK. Got yes. It. Yeah, that's the sensor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> OK. Why don't we go uh, over to Chomsky. Chomsky. OK. Hi. Yeah. So uh, Chomsky versus Chomsky is an immersive uh, virtual reality AI experience. Um, it originated at the uh, in a collaboration that started at the Open Doc Lab at MIT. Um, the, uh, there's a, a research uh, data scientist named Yarden Katz who had an idea about um, creating an AI that could replicate Chomsky because Chomsky, over the last 60 years, has answered many, many questions almost exactly the same way, both in gesture uh, physically as well as um, uh, verbally. So Yarden's idea um, was to create some kind of AI, and uh, he was introduced to Sandra Rodriguez, our director, and they both had some interesting ideas. Sandra really was focused on the storytelling and um, has basically been workshopping it for the last two years, and uh, finally um, we were able to create it. Um, it's, uh, it's really interesting. We have a compendium of all this data that we've uh, scrubbed, and we're still going. There's a lot to, to really to do to create a generative Chomsky, and, and right now we're just in a, we're a work of, in progress, and we just want everybody to come and experience it and help us add to the corpus. So, like, this opens up all kinds of questions, I feel like. Like, who can we recreate and interact with? <laughs> like, to what extent, right? So why, I, I feel like you kind of answered, but just in more specifically, Chomsky specifically, why? So interesting because, um, so Chomsky is a uh, famous in many ways. He's a political activist. He's a linguist. He's uh, arguably the grandfather of AI, um, father of cognitive science. And I studied him back in college. So Chomsky will say that um, humans, only humans have a particular facility for language. They are the only ones who can really learn abstract thought. And he will uh, argue to, you know, has argued very um, uh, voraciously uh, towards that. And so what's really interesting is that um, if we take uh, all of Chomsky's video uh, and audio recordings, he's actually very replicable. He's very predictable. <laughs> so you could essentially replicate him um, but can you? And and I think all of us on the team would say, no, you can't really, you can't really replicate um, uh, a human, but you can try and you can fool a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So it's the idea that um, you know Chomsky versus Chomsky, or is he the the real Chomsky? And ultimately, if when you do, when as we do try to preserve um, sentient sentience. Um, what are we leaving behind? That's mm -hmm. one of Sandra's really uh, main main uh, questions. Is let's keep in mind what we're leaving behind when we um, create AIs, when we're creating the data, and we're choosing data. Whose data are we choosing, and what are we paying attention to? Mm -hmm. What what biases are we encoding into our system? Cool. Thanks. Yeah. 
Scarecrow. Scarecrow is one of the one-on-one VR immersive theater, and the we are on same university in Korea. So it's first is our government and our university project. So right. we developed the story of a, of our professor, and we developed the story at first because there there's a writer and actors and producer. All of us are all of us are student of the university. So we developed the story and we made a video for the Sundance and then Sundance called us. So we surprised and then, <laughs> oh my God, you should, you should make it. So every day we met and in, in the university, we rehearsal and the bird hand unity, they help us for the technological things. So uh, when you experience our piece, uh, you one actor and the one user can act together they they see the animation all the animation VR things so scarecrow stands inside of the user and user dancing with him with him and drawing and we have the thermocur so the hot and cold you can you can feel the yeah yeah the cold and hot and yeah and then this the very they were touched and then they call their name and that kind of thing. Yeah, a yeah. lot of uh, with Scarecrow, I feel like the consistent has been it's kind of an emotional experience. Right. Yeah. Kind of. It's and a love it, story. Right. Which is uh, <laughs> which is unique for VR. <laughs> like yeah, that's right. a big it's challenge right. to to accurately create. Because something. yeah, film school, so I can't. I think it's yeah, kind of film to us. Yeah. We have story. Yeah, and all kinds of limbo. So I run a studio called Dimension Studio, which specializes in creating digital humans. So we have uh, one of the two volumetric capture stages in the world, you know, using Microsoft's technology to sort of capture three-dimensional video, you know, of a performance, right? And I've been, you know, and this really arose out of Toby Coffey's idea to do a communal VR experience to accompany the show Small Islands, which was on at the National Theatre in London. And it was like, what if we could actually do, it's a musical, you know, what if we could actually record, you know, the amazing performer, Nubia Brandon, yeah. um, uh, doing her numbers from Calypso to Grime. So what it's really about is, um, is the Windrush generation who came to the UK in the 50s. This is what the main show is about. Yeah. And what all kinds of limbo is about is following that journey through musical performance you know, yeah. and what that means to many generations, uh, you know, of um, people of West Indian ancestry. Yeah. So we were able to record the numbers in our volumetric capture studio, and then the rest of it is a triumph of sort of theatrical staging. And the question we were asking ourselves is, what happens when 20 people experience a VR uh, a VR piece at the same time yeah. and they can see each other so you end up with a communal VR experience that is really a lot like theatre and we're kind of excited about this because it can go on tour it can bring you know um, it's not like watching a film um, of a theatrical performance it's like you're there and thanks to volumetric capture it feels like you know you're right in front of the performer Sometimes right like next to, exactly. <laughs> depending on where the performer moves. Exactly. In space, it was interesting. You'd look over and see like, oh, someone like right now is like right in the performer. Like it's like, but um, yeah, it was unique because it you see the other people in the room, their little white lines, 
but you also um, feel like so in a lot of VR, AR, it's sort of like a the creation of the space is not so theatrical, like a stage or like a set. And the set changes through all kinds of limbo. And suddenly you're like, oh, where am I now? I'm in a desert. Oh, now I'm on a like this weird, you know, stage. And like, so that that's a fascinating, unique experience. Also opened up thoughts I had like, wow, where where can we go? With we're like, what kind of places can you create for me to be in? <laughs> like, I, like what stages, what shows, what, you know, like the open, I, I feel like, um, in with all these pieces, but with New Frontier this year in general, it felt like we were getting closer to things that we'd imagine really open up possibilities. Like we're going to experience stuff that um, goes beyond just uh, it, it's it's going to be immersive. Yeah, and we we think the temptation when you're working in virtual reality is to do anything. You know, but actually anchoring it in a performance really sort of freed us up creatively because we were then able to go, well, what kind of location actually suits this music? Yeah. You know, so, you know, when we're doing the grime number, it's a white boiler suit and you're surrounded by video screens and yeah. it feels really modern. And then for grime, we were able to go back to a sort of 1950s sort of calypso thing with a band and, a, you know, um, beautiful staging and deco designs. Yeah. And it's like... To do that, I mean, I really think it's going to be how we want to consume music in the future. I think it's a, I think that's a great format. I think it'll work really well, and it's a, and it's really engaging. So, yeah, um, the charisma of a performer yeah. also helps yeah, because of you're course. kind of like locked <laughs> into what, like in all media, right? Yeah. Like a performer is a big piece. Um, of and when you've got that much, yeah, and and then the other thing is just watching the reaction of the audience, and this is the exciting thing about the new frontier stuff, is. You know, when we ran that show in London, you know, we were having people dance with each other. You know, um, <laughs> they were responding to the performance, and I mean, right. you can. Uh, we haven't had, we haven't seen that yet at Sundance, but I think when people get into it, maybe after a few days of parties, they'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, with uh, you're with Chomsky versus Chomsky, also, but can you also give us Addis a little insight? And but I'm I'm going back to the the first question you asked. Okay. Like that's what's great about uh, Sundance New Frontier is bringing all those creators uh, and creation together for a public to experience, and because it's a really new medium still, like we learn from one another and we we experience one another uh, one another's project. And like I saw, like the the volumetric capture and the quality of of the the tissue just moving it's like i have all sorts of questions for <laughs> you i saw i experienced breed this morning and it's like another layer of question <laughs> and and of course i haven't had the chance to uh, try scarecrow uh, uh, as of now but this is what's great it's like it's still a pretty uh, open space for people to explore and this is why the nfb is like all like we have two other projects at uh, at Sundance this year, and we come even now uh, every now and then. And every year, it gets better and better, and you see projects that go further and further. So I think that's that's the big advantage. Yeah, I think like I kind of want to open up to general discussion, but I think that one of the things that I'm now thinking about is that we audiences go in and we think, wow, they can do anything, mm-hmm. and so how you choose hearing from each of you about how you chose what you chose to do, but also being here now and seeing what other people are doing at the forefront of this, of this 
uh, frontier, <laughs> uh, what is it you feel inspired to try? Like, what does it open up for you, like, in terms of possibilities? Because I, to me, it just seems like this is uh, the further it goes, the more I can't imagine what's next, you know? Yeah, but I think you have to anchor all those possibility in a narrative, in a, uh, in a something you want to say. What is it you want to say? Because you can also lose yourself and just be become gimmicky and, <laughs> and, and lose why are you doing the piece you're doing, actually. What is the experience you want people to, to live through and to come out of it, enhance in one way or another? Yeah, so that also brings up another thing. Uh, is scalability. So a lot of VR, AR stuff is like very set in one spot and like some of that void stuff we talked about internally. Like you can, like you're climbing around or they give you all this stuff and it's like a, you know, video game essentially. But what is it that's scalable that can be brought to more people, right? Like isn't that, so just like how can you create something that's more accessible in VR, AR that more people can experience? Um, I, I have a, a fond... Uh fondness for the um, the open source platforms uh, for AR and VR, the web VR, for example, but that's, you know, it's tough to, to code um, web VR. The standards are still uh, coming up. Um, it, the throughput is not as high, and the, 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 uh, the experience is not as, uh, there's not as much of authorial, uh, curatorial capability, because you don't necessarily have this headset if you want to deliver it through the Google um, cardboard or what have you but that's right. really that's really important with Chomsky at some point um, you know we will have some of uh, uh, maybe I can say I don't know if I can say this so at some point we would have ability to query Chomsky for, on, online so you wouldn't have to necessarily have the head the, the headset on wow. um, but <laughs> yeah uh, like Eliza but you know 5.15 I don't know, so like just talk to chomsky.com or something yeah, like maybe. that. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, hey, nobody, nobody get that. Uh, well, it might be like .edu. I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Does anyone else have anything that like really stands out to them as like this seems like something to try next? This is where this is going. You know, this is what I felt inspired by this year. And I, w I will say, in terms of breathe, there were two very core things that we wanted to make sure to accomplish which was one creating that link with the biometric sensor and the headset um which was not easy and then yeah. also the multiplayer aspect of it yeah. too like being in a space with other people um which also we we didn't even get that working until like weeks before wow. the premiere um and Th those two components to me are things that I want to continue to see in pieces in VR and AR. Like I think being able to really draw a connection between your what, what's happening in, internally in your body, um, being able to be in experiences with people, like those things, that's something you can really experience in another medium, you know? And so that's something I would like to continue to see developed. I kept wondering with uh, Breathe, if there's a future for like a medical application. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, totally. Cause I kept thinking like, could yeah. you go visit your doctor? Cause like I could look across and yeah. see what, you know, Ryan who was also with me there was doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was breathing stuff out. He was trying to touch it. Like, yeah. it was, like, so it was like a weird experience to see a, uh, a visual manifestation of what's happening in someone's body. Kind of mm. right. Yes. And, and like to be doing it at the same time, but we could look around and see each other. Yes. No, I think that there's definitely applications, you know, with the, with Breathe, we're using the Magic Leap headset, but there's ways that we're, we're thinking of exploring, like, how can we use that with 
your phone with your app you know your apple watch i don't know like there's all these ways that we can link technology and what's happening in our bodies um and whether we use that for medical applications or for storytelling or meditation i don't know there's like a lot of possibilities i think yeah yeah i thought i thought i tried to breathe just as uh, we were setting up you know two mm. multiplayer experiences and mm. it chilled me out completely it was great yeah. <laughs> it was really good you know and, and it's like, like the one on instagram where it goes Whoa, <laughs> so a little bit of like mindfulness well, right, has been useful for the whole theater there's right? all yeah. these there's all these apps now right they're not almost every there's like calm apps and meditation apps yeah. and like things like that so that's also an interesting element to it is like a mindfulness thing the, the uh, biometric data um, and and what people are starting to get garner from that. Um, one of uh, my colleagues uh, from Open Doc Lab, who's in uh, New York, Heidi uh, Boisvert, just did a, ta- a TED talk, and she's been building this entire platform. Got a huge grant to build a platform that's registering data, and it's a performative. Uh, she's more focused on performative healing mm-hmm. uh, in terms of trauma. But um, you know, the, your users would de- or your listeners would definitely enjoy listening to her TED talk because yeah. um, she's she's way more. Uh, knowledgeable about that stuff than 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 i am but that's coming yes and i'm a little bit scared about it (laughs) but all the device are like your cell phone is if you uh, use strava or just uh, activate the the health uh, app yeah like no it has all this information it's collecting the data and like medical are using it insurance company are using it right in all different ways so it's so already there even things like a fitness like routine where you can interact with someone somewhere else with like ar mm. they're mm-hmm. like showing you what you're doing and talking to you about how you've been doing because all that data is being tracked right but I, I i like what you said it's like and uh, there's i i don't i won't recall the name of the person at mit but it's the a researcher from japan that built like a little roller and so you skype with your loved one Oh, far away right, in, uh, in uh, Hiroshi Ishii's group in yeah. Tangible Media yeah exact Tangible Media group and they're able to f- feel the resistance of the other person's touch from all over the Whoa. planet so wow. this is where you say like anything is possible right, but right. to yeah. what purpose you want to use right. it what, what good what well, art that, you want to make that reminds me of Scarecrow because it it's there's a physical element and there's an there's a, an emotional connection which we don't think about VR as doing that necessarily <laughs> like dancing with someone or like or like experience a, a story in that way. Um, so yeah, I think that's like connecting it to a narrative seems like a through line for everyone. It's like you, it, this technology exists, but to what end or to? Or what connecting purpose? it to an emotional experience. Yeah, I think that's the better way to think of it, actually. Yeah. It's it's the base of any narrative. Yeah, anyway. it is the base it's of like any narrative. It's the funding body yes. of something. So yes. when you when you think about projects or going into a project, you're still thinking about it in terms of telling a story, right? Creating an experience, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's it's a little larger than create like just outputting a story. It's how you will react to that story at any point of the story unfolding, and this right. is where the the play the playground exists for creators. Mm-hmm. Because you have all those capacity, the technology brings you like, like following someone's breathing uh, rhythm and stuff like that. So, do you all think there are opportunities for creatives to develop content that they pitch as VR AR to companies like some of the ones you've worked with or represent, where like they say like I have a story because I think that Staircrow kind of comes from the same base as like I have an idea for a story and then get the help to build the technology around that. Or I have the idea for an experience. Like, h- how do those things work together? 
No, not really. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, you, I think you definitely have to justify why this story is being told using this type of technology versus telling the story in a more traditional way that, you know, we've all been used to. And I think that's why all these projects here, they're less story driven and more kind of coming up with the uh, what is the core experience or the thing that you're trying to explore Hmm. what's like the core maybe interaction and then yeah and then building it from there and you guys can speak to that as well I think uh, it's more than concept or synopsis so up to user there's different stories hundreds of hundreds of different stories coming up so that's that's the interesting part of our piece, I think. Yeah, if user don't wanna save scarecrow, we cannot do anything. But we we make them move and make them dance and drawing. But everyone is different, so that's that's very interesting yeah. to us. I think that that's very key. We're like being the NFB, uh, the National Film Board of Canada. We're getting project pitched to us all the time. And this is always what we're looking for. It's like, you can have a great story, but is it a story to become an experience within AR, within VR, using all all sorts of technology, but to what purpose to further that story or to create that experience that will make you the storyteller as a user? Right. Yeah, and I think you also, like another project that I produced here is Persuasion Machines, and which is actually about our data, but it it was really interesting process because it's the same... About our data and like the stuff being collected about all of us? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. It's the same director that... um, directing team behind the great hack documentary okay and then we worked with a, a, like a technologist um, named Guvin Ozel and he and his team really built everything but it was this really interesting kind of collaboration between a more traditional documentary storyteller and like a technologist hmm. um, and artist and there was a lot of back and forth between you know obviously Kareem coming from the documentary background was really trying to push narrative and Guvinj coming from a more technology background was pushing experience and it was about finding the balance between the two you know yeah yeah Yeah. and this is where it becomes a media like in the in the team for Chomsky versus Chomsky like in my view it's it's there's one director of course but like if you leave her alone the project is not happening yeah. and it's not forming in the way it, it is right now. It's really the contribution of every knowledge coming together and exploring and bouncing on one another to create what we're, we're seeing or living to. Yeah, that kind of brings me to a question that I want to go around again on, which is like, tell me about, because this is something I don't know the answers to, and I know a lot of our listeners probably don't either. What does the process look like, like in terms of the team and the creative process? Because like we we are all very familiar, you know, within our community on the process when it comes to a film set, you know, where it starts, where it goes, what the whole pipeline looks like and how people have creative challenges. And like we all know those stories, like what the DP wants versus what the AD wants, et cetera. What is that like if you can answer it without, you know, getting too complicated, but like because you're merging tech and creative and the pipeline is completely different and I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Can you just kind of take me through like what that and where the conflicts are, where the biggest compromises take place and all of that? Well, it's, it's a mishmash of different. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you know, for everything starts with a script. It helps. 
you know, but so the storyboards and so there's workshopping in the case of, you know, um, all kinds of limbo that started off with three of us in a space acting it out. You know, because that's ultimately what it's about. So wait, about. were you doing the musical performance? No, we were imagining <laughs> okay. that. Okay. We were just playing a playlist. Okay. But we were, what, what we were trying to do was imagine what 20 people watching a performance would be doing, you yeah. know, and where they would be looking. And the fact that we, ne- we realized we needed to have a little plinth, you know, to have Nubia perform on because otherwise people wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be looking up enough and things yeah. like that. Um, and to the point earlier about this being a multiplayer experience, that's what's bringing a lot of this stuff yeah, together. Yeah. You have to you have to be able to act that stuff out. How do you storyboard something that's existing in three dimensions for twenty people? <laughs> like, um, how do you previs that? You you sort of I think a lot of us who've got a background in film and stuff can interpret a storyboard, right? right. So they can you know um, a storyboard is a two D image, but yeah. you you turn it into three D in your head, and I think we work a lot in terms of turning that into 4d in our head okay i think you just get used to it yeah Yeah, and i you go back to other disciplines that have been moving people in space if you see our choreographer a dance choreographer is writing a piece some of them have their own way of putting people so there there are ways already existing in, in other disciplines of representing and prefiguring the the where people will be what they will do how what they will do will impact what the other pe- people mm-hmm. will do. In, uh, w- so there's, there's ways. And this is, again, a medium that needs much exploration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you have to go not only in the film direction to tr- invent it, you have to go to all other disciplines. And this is where like people coming from theater are bringing a knowledge that is very precious to the field. And blocking. You know, I mean, we just block everything out because there's no frame. You know, so there's no camera frame to hide behind. Right. You know, you've just got to see it in all angles, mm. and that that's that's closer to theatre mm. than anything else. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. does anyone else have some pipeline and compromise insights or well, stories? Like, like, <laughs> like in the general, like in a macro kind of view, it's like I'm telling that often with like uh, movie makers. It's when you do VR, AR, or anything that's interactive. You have to invent your own camera mm. moving on. So it's, it's not just about telling the story. It's about inventing the, t- the, the technology, g- getting the plugins that will allow you to achieve mm. the, what you want to create. And this is the tough, spar- the, the tough part. And this is where sometimes I like to say, like, what are you going to achieve? Well, actually, at this point, we don't know. We're just exploring and, and we're moving forward and learning a lot. Uh, yeah. And I, I think storyboarding is definitely really smart and there just becomes a point in the process where you start actually building it in the game engine and then you start to view it's very iterative once Mm. you start that point and so you start to build it and then you review it and you get feedback and you kind of decide you know where things are placed or the timing the pacing of things like and then it's an iterative process for many months Um, and then also of course there's the sound component as well, sound music, sound mixing, spatial, spatialized sound, which is so super important and usually like left to the last minute and shouldn't be left to the last minute. Sounds ideally. like the normal pipeline. Yeah, sound, right? exactly. So <laughs> then, sounds, then sounds it familiar. just becomes like production. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then you have 
people like Cindy coming in <laughs> to make sure everything holds oh. behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and with the Chomsky project in particular, it was a, a couple of challenges. One is um, Chomsky is uh, alive, very alive and well. Um, he's got all sorts of opinions and all sorts of interesting things to say. <laughs> and uh, what does it mean to uh, propose a Chomsky AI? Um, and we, you know, we're not really sure. So, so we're asking that, you know, the, uh, them to work with us and allow us to explore this concept. Um, it's also, you know, Chomsky uh, has a very cerebral uh, way of expressing himself. And, you know, how is it that, you know, is, is, would it be an, some kind of oracle, you know, some, uh, some kind of question and answer? Like, what is it that people want to explore? And really, it's important for us to p peel back the curtain and show what AI is made of and what it's not at the, at the moment. And a lot of it's a lot of promise and really it's specific behavior that's modeled. You know, it's not like the, the, the overall human. It's not even the overall, um, you know, uh, they're using AI for, as you mentioned earlier, medicine, for um, stock market, you know, analysis. They don't even know, apparently, what some of these um, aggregate algorithms are doing. So, um, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really something that we, I think we all need to really participate in and really uh, understand where we're going with, uh, with this technology. This podcast is sponsored by Rode Microphones, the Australian pro audio powerhouse making incredible gear for podcasters, vloggers, filmmakers, and musicians. Rode is at the vanguard of innovation for audio solutions for podcasters, offering groundbreaking products like the Rodecaster Pro, the world's first fully integrated podcast production studio, and PodMic, the ultimate podcasting microphone. Find out more about how Rode can help you cut through the noise at rode.com slash podcasting. That's R-O-D-E dot com forward slash podcasting. Small HD, real-time confidence for creatives. Founded by a group of independent filmmakers, Small HD has been innovating the on-camera and production monitor industry for an entire decade. It started by creating the first ever HD monitor that could sit on top of a DSLR. Today, its products include the 703 Bolt that has an integrated wireless receiver and a daylight viewable screen. Small HD is in the business of providing real-time confidence for creatives. With an extremely wide range of field monitors, Small HD prides itself on durability and usability. Whether it's paired with a mirrorless camera during a wedding or used for a video village in Hollywood, Small HD is a monitor for every production. Powerful software tools, a unified user experience, and premium display quality help make Small HD monitors the industry standard. Stop wondering if you've nailed the shot. Start having more confidence at the camera with Small HD on-camera and production monitors starting at just $299. For more information about Small HD products, go to smallhd.com. Um, I think on the note of just sort of understanding the pipeline and the creation, we know from a filmmaking standpoint, and it applies to television, two-dimensional storytelling, that we know how to direct the eye. We've learned all these tools and tricks, right? Like we know like where motion should go and there's just tons of study dedicated to it. But when you're working in a space like this, I'm curious how you decide. Maybe when you're one-on-one, -on -one, it's a little easier because you know you're directing their attention to this other being and, and similar to Chomsky. But 
in general, how do you decide what you want people to focus on? Because I found myself in most of these exhibits, I'll just say like, I kept trying to look for places where I was like, I wonder if they thought about me looking over here. Like I would always try to look around and think like, what's behind me? Or is there another thing to look at that they didn't, that they, it's always clear what the main thing is, but you know, especially like in, um, sorry, I blanked on the name, um, limbo, all kinds of limbo. Um, especially in all kinds of limbo, I found myself thinking, what's behind, what's like all around? Like, mm. what's that streetlight above me? Like, I was really fixated on that for a while. <laughs> like, so yeah, I want to yeah. know, like, what you think, do you try all of you to imagine all the places they might look? Or do you really try to focus energy on putting them in a certain focal point? Well, you, you don't have a, you don't, you can't focus on a frame, but you direct people's attention. Yeah, so so you need to have a sense of what people are looking at, what's the main thing. But then, yeah, it is about creating all of the other details and thinking through all of them, you know, and watching lots of people try the experience as you're developing it, you know. And if people so that's sort of wanna, the iterative thing. Yeah. yeah. So right. if you notice people looking at that street light, you make it a good one. <laughs> right. um, you know, um, I was looking for little weird things. Like I was then, like, what's that weed coming through the sidewalk? And there's there? a like, and, and there's, <laughs> there's game design coming in here as well. So it's not just filmic. It's also you know, as you said, we work in game engines. Like yeah. Unreal and, and Unity. So the same discipline comes from that, which is, you know, if I want to. Yeah, explore this open world environment, then I have to make sure I model every little tree and every little rock so I can do that. Right. Or I have to have a reason to constrain that that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and also with interactive experiences, you can, you know that, uh, for example, with breathe, when you're touching or as you're breathing, you touch, you interact with your breath, you can trust that the person's looking at their breath right? <laughs> at yes. that moment. You know, I think interaction can help in that way. Um, and it's the more passive experiences that you, I mean, you always sort of have to think about the whole world and the environment, but through interaction, through sound, you know, when there's something, when there's movement happening in, in a scene, you can kind of trust that that's where the right. person is looking. And what's really strong in the breed is also the, the voice, like oh, the narrator yeah. is, is really your strong. voice. No, it's not my voice. <laughs> I, I actually did. I did the yeah. temp VO. Okay. But um, no, our narrator is Zazie Beats. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. his yeah. actress. And she has a movie here yeah. in Sundance. And she's amazing. So. Yeah, I think she's credited on too. She is credited. Yeah, I feel like I remember that. Name. But yeah, it but plays I for a big role. Like it's That's because cool. like it yeah. and but like it kind of embodies you in in the experience yeah. and then it directs you. Yeah. So of course you're like the way that she's just telling, this is your bread. Like yeah. and you see the the little ball forming at the end of right. in yeah. your hand. It's it's directed. It's focal. F- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like talking about the gaming angle is interesting too because games more and more are designed to allow people to explore all kinds of options and I've talked about it with people about gaming before it's like one of the things gamers look for is getting off the rails or not seeing the rails anymore like I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be I like me deciding where I'm supposed to be right is that how does that function into like we talk about directing people to certain things but also about not making it too clear you know like kind of leaving them in a place where they get to feel like they're like you talk about the story the story isn't just coming from the creator right it's supposed to be coming from the user to some extent right 
the experience. Or the experience, right. Yeah. But it always does come from the user mm-hmm. as well in, if, yeah. in other forms. We're just more used to the grammar. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I, I see it pretty clearly in terms of you can tell a story and you can, if you're a gamer, like, I mean, I, when I play games, I want to break everything. I want to go to the edge of the map. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I'm not really participating in the story, <laughs> right? I'm trying to break the story. Yes. So, but with all of these, there's a everybody's project has this sort of continuum of you're being asked to play a role. Yes. You know, when you play that role, then you can start to make story work and you can start to make interaction work. And the other project we're doing, Atomu, you know, you're cast as an ancestor that's facilitating the transition of Wakiki to find the body that they want. You know, it's an old Kenyan myth, you know, all about a tree that has the power to enable this to happen. It's a thousand years old, this myth. It's amazing. Um, and the user is cast in a specific role. You know, you're, you're an ancestor. You're, you're there to facilitate this happening. You're there to rescue this character. You know, and we, we're not very structured about what kind of interactions you can do. But it's amazing watching people start to do that. They start to help. They start to interact with the character, you know. So it just shows what you can do. And that's, that's a real, that's an exploration that we really want to keep going on. It's like, how do I cast better and better roles for my audience to play? Mm-hmm. I think that's like, that's the way we see it at, at the studio at the NFB is really inventing new grammars. Mm-hmm. And like, if you go, and we, I, I tend, I feel we often, too often we go back to the cinema mm. as a com- uh, comparable and we should go to theater, we should go to dance, we should go to all sorts of uh, architecture, gaming also, because this is what mm. we have to like bring together to make sense for uh, someone who experiences it. Like cinema has 125 or, or more years of exploring yeah. the Blame grammar it. and like it, like the the first goggles were in 1963 at MIT yeah. and it's <laughs> only been like uh, five <laughs> five or six years that artists are really like uh, going into that new medium uh, like massively to yeah. a certain extent mm-hmm. yeah i um i think that the one of the things i thought about in some of them was the idea of creating a vr experience where the user has no defined role beforehand they're just observing because that's sort of, even though it's passive, like looking around and hearing various things. Solastalgia, did you guys do that one? They were going to be here but couldn't make it. But it was kind of like, oh, just walk around and look. But there were definitely like things literally <laughs> floating there for you to go into and hear an experience. But I think that idea of where is the user become a part of what you're writing in advance, right? And are they already in a role or are they an observer? So, like because they're not in all kinds of limbo the user isn't re- like in breathe it's very much your story it's your breath in all kinds of limbo you're watching a performance so there's like a different role the user plays and how how early on i guess in the in the process do you start thinking about that really early on yeah, very, i mean yeah. and it's really even if even if in limbo you're you're an observer you're aware of each other Mm-hmm. And that's where the magic happens in some ways because you can see each other's position in space and it's a communal environment. You're sharing it with other people. You know, you can, you know, you can see where everybody is in space, you know, so you don't bump into people. But essentially, you get this emergent behavior which is about experiencing VR socially, mm. you know, together. And that's really, that's really new. And um, that, that's a great way to experience this medium. 
you know. And, and sometimes it has, like in the Chomsky project, it, it's designed to eventually become some, at least for two people, because it's all about collaboration and being together. And this makes the big difference between a human, an HI, and an AI. It's a and conversation, it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a conversation. Yeah. How do people start if they're looking to get involved in doing this kind of stuff and these kinds of stories, because this is an uh, exciting new place that storytellers can go to and creatives. Where do they start? What's the way to get in? Well, um, being at MIT at the Media Lab, um, they're, they're, you can't um, run a weekend without having a hackathon there. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's there, there's several, there are many around the country that happen once a year that are focused on um, story, you know, bringing storytellers and technologists and hackers and uh, all sorts of people to, together. In fact, one just happened. Uh, it has been happening for the, for every year um, in January at MIT, the um, Reality uh, Hackathon, a Reality Hack, or uh, virtually, wait, Reality Virtually was the the original name. Anyway, everybody who came, uh, I'd say at least sixty percent had not created VR. So it's a great way to sort of get in. Um, and some people went on to um, get uh, uh, invited to come to uh, like PTC, with, uh, took on uh, one of the, the hack, the, the, uh, the award-winning hack. Um, you know, they've, they've become very successful and that's really a great way for you to get involved without having to go and, you know, sc- uh, pitch somebody a story idea. You already have the story, you can show it. Yeah, I think at festivals, um, check out the New Frontier or the immersive section of, I mean, Sundance, South by, Tribeca, Venice, lots of festivals have like an immersive section. That's how I got into it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I come from film and okay. it was actually at Sundance New Frontier how in 2015. Okay. So you yeah. just went and saw stuff and were like introducing yourself to people and were like, I want to do this too? <laughs> it was, it was, I, I did it and I was like, this is so interesting. And I just started talking to people in the huh. space and reconnected with somebody there. I know it was like the most random fortuitous thing, honestly. Yeah. So that's one, like watch stuff, get involved in the community of it. Yeah. I think depending on where you live as well. I lived in New York for a bit. New York has a really cool community of, there's lots of panels and events and there's New Lab and New Inc. and all these like amazing kind of institutions and programs in LA as well. There's different panels, conversations, you know, things happening. And I think you just have to start to tap into it Hmm. and attend things and talk to people. And, you know, it's like that. And play, yeah. I would add, play with the tools also. Yes. Like, because the tools are more and more accessible. Which mm-hmm. tools? Because uh, your yeah. own cell phone, just like thinking <laughs> in 3D, like filming 360 around you from your regular camera and trying to tell a story, but just explore by doing it. Yeah. That's a. How about, how about in Asia? What, yeah. is it? Yeah. what is it like there? I mean, learning, learning how'd how'd how do you get involved? How do people yeah. get, how did you get involved? How do people get the access point, the start point into stuff like VR storytelling? Yeah, but. I don't know you guys know the Korea is very fast internet the Wi-Fi yeah. is very very <laughs> We're familiar. so there's a, a lot of good technician yeah. people so uh, these days VR is very upcoming for the gaming and then my one of my professor our project he he was made he made the VR so he he say he told government to oh we are very good source and actors and writers and graphic designers technicians so 
why not? Why don't we make VR? So still earn money and get project. So we learn. So it's kind of particular thing, special, because we are all same university. So it's my first time to make VR. So everything is very new. And oh my God, is it work? It works? Like, <laughs> yeah, every, every day news coming. So, oh my God, Skrker's moving. Oh, it's wrinkling. Oh my God. Face capture and volumetry, everything we do. Many, many technician, technician thing in one piece we tried. So maybe. I really want to, many people doing experience, but it's very 15 minutes per one person. Yeah. So, so yeah. every day fully booked. So it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I, I wish everything can experience our piece. So yeah. yeah, it's kind of not that easy, but if you want, it's very open. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have very many stores. So yeah, it seems like yeah. the field is, open in the sense that if you start experimenting with it right. there's opportunity out there right now and it's then, not like an yeah. overcrowded line of people who are like trying it right right and the government yeah. is getting more doing more budget very big budget in the vr this year so hmm. maybe the many things coming yeah the us not so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't know the u.s government is putting money into VR. <laughs> but the, the big challenge is already like you uh, well put it's like it's one person at a time so yeah. if you build an experiment that lasts for whatever 10 minutes 20 minutes or 40 minutes you have to take that into account and this is a big threshold that the medium has to find this is where like multi multiplayer vr then you you can funnel people in much faster than you have more people living something, sharing something, and so on. So this is, I, I think we're there. Like in Canada, we're pretty lucky because we have government financing that's been coming in from, like NFB is playing in nine, since 1939, it was uh, created. So, it, and as a place to explore medium and media, uh, cinema mostly uh, at the beginning, but th this is exactly, the, to me, the threshold is really how many people will see your piece. Uh, because that's at when that happens, then money will come back. Because mm -hmm. we're in a, in a, sta a stage where there was lots of money three, four years ago. Now the money is a little less, but it's it's slowly it's coming back because such great experiences are created. Yeah. And then there's um, the growth of AR on smartphones. You know, that gives us, you know, a billion people to talk to. And we've just done some stuff with web AR, you know, using volumetric capture, for yeah. example. So that lets, and we did a little Christmas card where we plant a tree for you and you, it's on your little, little living room table. Um, um, so that gives you a huge distribution. Yeah. You know, and then there's mobile devices like the Oculus Quest and the equivalent from Vive, you know, which are affordable, don't need a big computer, and are is selling really well at the moment. So that's kind of, it's a mature technology now, virtual reality is, and it's got to the point where there's, you know, many millions of users so it's a good time to be making content for it you know it's it's also much easier to make now you know it's not like the old days where 
you know, you had to write code to add to Unreal Engine to get your thing to work. You know, that's like and in I 2015, that's you how it was. You know, no, no, but you don't, there's a lot of tools that other people have already written. Right. So you can right. get a long way on your own. Okay. And Unity you know. downloads onto yeah. the web now, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. Could, you could provide your yeah. experience on the web if you, if you wanted to, if that yeah. was your, yeah. you know, if you, I don't know, if you could put that behind a paywall or something. Huh. And it's also like going to the distribution. You have to build new rituals. People know how to go to cinema. They know how yeah. to go. Although to, they don't to do it as much. They don't do it as much <laughs> anymore. But but they some like they know how to go to a, whatever the platform. I don't want to name any. But yeah. like, and they yeah. they all know that. But how do you go to a VR place? Yes. How do you go to? This is not a knowledge that much shared for the I, moment. This yeah, is huge. In Japan and China, they're really leading yeah, the arcades, uh, yeah. cultural thing. Are we going to yeah. the arcades? Really? You know, yeah. Team Lab is the, that immersive installation that's that's uh, permanent. I guess it's going to be there through the Olympics. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's in Tokyo. Yeah, I think I said before we started, but I feel like when you walk into New Frontier, if you didn't know what was happening there, you would just be like, what is this museum of mysteries behind doors? <laughs> like, there's signs on doors with names that don't tell you really what the thing is. Like, Scarecrow, what is that? Yeah. Like, or like, all kinds of limbo, what is that? And, and, and you don't see what people are doing in these spaces. So it's like, this is a museum. There's a lot of people milling around, but I have no idea what's being exhibited. And in the U.S., we have no language for, like, this is a place where you will go experience VR yeah. or like this is a website where you can go experience people who created VR. Yeah. And, and it's interesting to also, you know, I think even the idea of like a VR arcade is very specific and maybe not the experience that a lot of people want to have with this is with this as well. Like if for something like breathe, one of the reasons that we partnered with the Phi center on it is because they are a museum Art, art cultural space based in Montreal mm -hmm. that specifically focuses on exhibiting VR, AR, AI work. And they're one of the few places in the world that exhibits it in this way. And so it's it's interesting to see, you know, how in the U.S. or in Europe or anywhere else in the world, we're going to be thinking about not the VR arcade model because it's that, that feels very gamey, mm -hmm. right? And like maybe not a a museum model as well but what is like what is the vr theater the vr ar theater hmm. like the storytelling experience and i don't it know goes back to the grammar like this is why those yeah. shows we're doing right now are so important because even journalists they don't know how to to talk about those no. pieces yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's not only like teaching people to ex go to experience and learning how to experience but it's also all those people reporting about the experience that need to build a language a, a common understanding and you're really right it's you want it to be about like a specific kind of of vr which is this in cinema like you have like uh, like i don't know gore uh, film specialist or and and you have like mass uh, public uh, specialist so that doesn't exist in vr ar yeah. like we but still have to learn there is a behavior which is I mean, the New Frontier Theatre is amazing. Yeah, the, you don't know exactly what's going on behind each door, but it's essentially a shared cultural space. Yeah, it's you know, and that is, I think, a, that can integrate gaming culture. You know, I think culture is a really important word because mm. it's like it's something you experience commonly. We know how to do mixed arts venues. You know, we have that as a sort of tradition in Europe and also in America. You know, just as we also have malls and retail places, and <laughs> I think I think it's possible to program a really diverse set of things using this technology um, that we can get into the habit of going to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we and, yeah, and it's an opportunity to create what that is going to be, and that's really exciting. Yeah, I think that like what we're hitting on is that this is a this is an emerging thing that audiences creators are are figuring out yes. together. Like, how is this going to work in our society, and where are we going to experience it? What are we going to do with it? Because we know how powerful it is, right? Potentially. But we still haven't really figured out its place or its role, and, and like everybody's kind of grappling with that. Yes, very much. So as we wrap up, I want to know from each person what like what's next. What's your next thing you're working on in this? Is it in this space? Is it something else, or maybe a couple things? And I kind of just te- if you can tease anything that's coming or that you're excited about or the direction you're thinking this is going in. Want to go around this way? Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Well, I do. I'm continuing to work in the VR, AR space. There's a few projects that are in the works. Um, But I also am starting to work in, I have a background in film and I'm starting, I'm working on a documentary series that's actually about emerging technology. And part of the intention of that is we all exist in this space of emerging tech, but there isn't really a good access point to this world right now. And it's actually to kind of help bridge that gap right now mm. between like the artists and the the futurists or the technologists working in the space and and ha- in allowing people to have access to the work and the way they're thinking about this tech so that's one of the things i'm working so kind on. of what we were just talking about <laughs> yep exactly yeah that's cool um, I have a few uh, projects uh, going forward that I'm interested in doing, but of course, uh, Chomsky is uh, is a, a work in progress. So right. we are, will we will be continuing. Um, Where do you see what's the what's the next thing there? Can you tell us a little bit? No, you're I'm going <laughs> to defer to Louis <laughs> okay. Lishaw. So we'll get to well, that. just get like analyze the learnings we're like absorbing at the moment. That's the next step. Yeah, yeah, that's the next step. So in a way, it's here. It's developing. Like mm-hmm. it's here in development. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. feel like that's an important point in general with New Frontiers that this is a it's it's like a showcase that's also sort of like a, a, a training, a trial ground, a place to learn for the creators what's working, what's not, so they can go back and, like you said, iterate on what they're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the other uh, one of the projects I think is really interesting and whether I do it or somebody else does it, it's just um, you know, the art and the birth of the line, the the gesture, the original gesture, um, the gesture that we, you know, we do in uh, with our body, but also in terms of recording, recording where we what we have done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really interesting two uh, D, and then now a three D um, capability, and I think that's a really interesting place for people to think about because it's a hard thing to do and to represent in three D. Yeah, to be continued. Mm-hmm. Actually, we all very focusing focusing in scarecrows, yeah. so we don't decide yet. But definitely, there's one one or many many more pieces for this project, I think. But, and actually, we have one more project for the not immersive theater, the real thing, where we are. So maybe uh, f- thank you for the Sundance. So because of because for the Sundance, we got many of more opportunity yeah. to make more pieces so awesome well that's yeah. exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you um well we'll we'll be doing lots more volumetric capture of performance we've got a, a whole load of music um projects plans you know um and i think i'm really interested in i think i'm definitely going to have a chat about chomsky because fusing the kind of generative 
databases you know that I was going to say, I see, I see is, here. yeah exactly <laughs> and it's an area that we've looked at a lot in terms of motion and how that works um I mean, you so, can also bring in breathe, and then Chomsky and you can breathe together, right? And twenty other people. Well, it's funny. You, it's yeah. it's funny you say that. <laughs> we we are working with some headsets that can uh, have cameras to to look at your expression, yeah. um, and we've already represented that as avatars, so that you can see each other and see each other how how you move in space. Yeah. And as soon as we can introduce how you're feeling and the visual cues of that in multiplayer, then I think you have something really interesting. I mean, it's both, every time I hear those kinds of things, it's both exciting and a little terrifying. <laughs> like, I gotta be honest, like, there's something about it that's amazing, and then, like, what is that gonna lead to? Yeah, but it's fun as well. Oh, you don't, yeah, you don't have totally. to look like you. you can, no, you know, right? That's you know. like, we were just talking about that. We were saying, well, we were all these white lines, which was interesting, because I was saying, like, it's almost like it was our essence was boiled down to a white line. But then someone brought up, like, what if we had like avatars? What if we were? It's like wow, then we're getting into all kinds of weird stuff. But yeah, so this is this is why it's so important to explore those things because yeah. people need to know how those things behave, how they program, how they're built. Uh, because like it is scary in a way. Like we're we're <laughs> we're playing at the uh, at the NFB with a number of AI project at the moment. Another one from a, a fellow from the MIT, uh, Shirin Enlen, and it's about it's questioning. What if the AI we're programming uh, become mentally ill? <laughs> so it's an immersive, more like towards theater, a kind of approach, immersive theater. Uh, but and we're just trying to figure out how to. It's a conversation between a family, and all every member of the family comes from a different uh, AI model. So it's like there's lots of exploration still uh, going on, and you you need to be on you need to look at many projects and you need to be on many projects because they're all uh, fooling in uh, each other. Right. It seems like you can all get ideas from what other people are doing, and that's part of what's cool about this no frontier, new frontier program is that you're seeing what other people have done with this tech, and then it sort of spurs like, oh, we could also try that, or we could also try that. Right. Yeah. It's like film. Like any creative process. <laughs> right, yes. It's a little bit like film, except as has been mentioned, film has been around a while, yes. and a lot of the format has sort of been like, you know, people are still pushing in new directions, and it's exciting. But this is so nascent, right, that yeah. like we can think about things like for those who are out there listening or interested in it, like – we're in the we're in the wild west here. Yes. Yeah. Pre-Galilean ch- stage, according to Chomsky. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think about these things and talking about our data being collected and our bodies and recreations of people. Like, there's enough information about all of us out there through our communications that we could be a Chomsky versus any one of us. Like, there's so much we've texted, emailed, phone calls. Like, you could create an avatar for all of us that we could interact with. And figure out how honest that recreation is. I mean, that totally is probably where things are headed. Because oh, yeah. who, yeah. who do you want to interact Marketing teams with? are already on right. it all yeah. over the world. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all want to interact with ourselves so badly. It's anyway. our digital footprint. That is. <laughs> right. But it's yeah. also interesting because even now there are interpretations. Like um, the, the lead designer on this project is from Germany. And he said that he's actually getting ads um, for Germans in America. Like there's like Germans in America and that's a American car, but it's scripted in German and it's like the Rocky Mountains behind him. So he's like, that's really weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think that they still the, the way that they're grouping uh, information together is, is still really 
predictive and not uh, yeah. nuanced at all. Yes. Like they st- like Google thinks that I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> male and live in the Midwest, <laughs> you know, because I, you know, I'm a technologist and I work at MIT. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's a riot. So yeah, they they I'm concerned about where they're where that those inferences are. Um, they're still not not quite accurate. Mm. Yeah, what will all this power be used for? That's the that's the question, right? And we'll find out. Yep. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything they want to add? I really appreciate all of you coming to do this. I really enjoyed this, and I feel like I learned a lot. I hope everyone else did. Yeah, it was so mm-hmm. fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This podcast was recorded using Rode microphones and technology. 